My heart is overflowing with a good theme I recite my composition concerning the king My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer Say la Listen to God, you know, instead of a Friday, they go home, they want to watch Smackdown, or I don't even know if they even show Smackdown on Fridays anymore, or they want to go to like the movies with their friends, or they just, whatever it may be, or sometimes they can't come out and all that. So I, I just feel honored and privileged to see you guys here. And so, what I want to do is I actually want to start a series with you guys, and we haven't really done a series like this, so this is perfect because. It's hard to, you know, continually have different words about, okay, well, you're doing lust, I'm going to talk about lust this week, or I'm going to talk about, you know, unfaithfulness this week. You know, I really want to just share with you the Bible, because the Bible is so awesome. It, if you read it, man, it is what the Bible says even this. It's a double-edged sword that divides between soul and spirit, marrow, even in the bone. That's so awesome. So, this whole entire series is going to be on the Gospel of John. So, if you look right here behind me, it says John's Gospel, right? And so, just a quick little understanding. So, obviously, we're going to do, since John's about 22 chapters, 21 chapters, what is going to be about 21-week thing. And so, always to the right is going to have the chapter number one, so just in case you forgot, or like you didn't come last week or whatever. And so, the left is going to be the name of the sermon. And so, today, we have, and anybody can say that word exactly the way that it's meant to be said. Logos. Logos. Okay, you think it's logos? Lagos. Lagos. Okay, you say that. Anybody else want to give it a shot? Is it the Logos? He's closer. Kind of a combination of all you guys. So, Logos. Logos. So, it's not Logos and any, like, you know, you have that Adidas thing on you and all that. I was looking, actually looking up some, like, uh, some pictures for it, and, like, I would always get Adidas and Apple things. And I was like, this is so neat. So, it's kind of hard to talk about, but we will go to First John, or John number one. So, if you guys have your Bibles, I would like you to turn there. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, then shame on you and bring one next week because this is the whole plan. We're going to be doing this from now on. So bring your Bible. Or if you have a phone and also a smartphone, you know, download the app. Yeah, Android or other thing, right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to give you guys some back to real quick. And this is going to be such an awesome thing, man. I'm telling you, I'm so excited for this. This book is going to change your life. And the reason why it's going to change your life is because John is so different. Now, a lot of the books or gospels in the Bible. I'm telling you, it, it's just so amazing. And so, if anybody knows here who's read the Bible, at least you know, knows a little bit, there are, there are four gospels in the beginning of the New Testament. And the first three gospels are considered kind of almost alike with each other. So they're called synoptic, okay? So it's just a big word for saying similar. And then the gospel of John is completely different because it talks about God in such a unique way. It talks about Jesus in a very, very interesting way. And so, you know, I want you guys to really get something out of this. And you guys can bring maybe like a notepad next week and just start writing some things on. Uh, you know, this series is going to be two things. It's going to be, you know, teaching and preaching. It's going to be telling and yelling, all right? So that's what I want you guys to get out of it. You know, I want you guys to start to be able to write these things on and be like, man, that's deep. You know, get it from it. And then when people ask you about the Bible, you can say, well, I learned this in my youth group the other day. It was so awesome. And so why is John so unique? Well, it talks about Jesus as the divine word. And, you know, it's kind of weird that you think about Jesus. Well, first he was like the Jew who, you know, was born 
that's just so cool. But here it's so different. It starts off so completely, so completely unorthodox in a sense. So, as a quick back to it. The Gospel of John, obviously it's written by John, but who is John exactly? Well, John the Beloved. He's different than John the Baptist. He's not the one who, you know, is eating the wild locusts and, you know, the honey and all that. But he's the one who's actually close to Jesus. It's so cool because out of the 12 disciples, there are three who are really close to Jesus. And if anybody actually knows them, you want to, like, raise your hand? Let's go ahead. Alec? John, Peter, two out of three so far. Mark? No, sorry. Which book? Actually, uh, it's not the same James, it's a different James book. It's James, John, and Peter. So those were the three that were closest to Jesus. And so, man, I'm talking about this guy who's called the Beloved because what we see in the scriptures is that, that Jesus loved him in a specific way, a different way. It was just so, so close. And it was so cool. I mean, like, I don't know, you just got to look at the, the scriptures and see how he talks about him and how, you know, how John talks about Jesus. And if you actually look into 1 John, the first letter that John wrote, it's later on in the New Testament. And all talks about love. It talks about if you really love God, then you obey his commands. If you really love God, then you won't really, you, you won't be a liar and all that stuff. So it's some serious stuff. So I, I advise you guys to look at that. Look at who John the Beloved was. But here's an interesting thing. 35, 36 times the word life is used. And so what does life mean? Actually, obviously it means the source of being. That's a really serious thing. You want to like think about it. Uh, 23 times the word life is used. What does the word light mean? Well, it means revealing. So it's not like, okay, I turn on the light, you know, we have electricity flowing through a, a light bulb and all stuff, but it's actually a light that is revealing, light that goes in through darkness. It's so, it's so pinpoint accurate on what it really means. So these are themes that occur all the time throughout this gospel, okay? The word world is used 78 times. And what does the word world mean? Well, you know, sometimes we use it all the time, actually, in our church. We say, oh, that's worldly, or you can go back to the world. Well, what does that mean? It means society that operates independently from God, from his rule, from his, his word, it just is away from God. So when we say worldly, it means things that are away from God, things that operate independently from God. Now, here's something that's interesting. Throughout this whole entire gospel, the word belief, belief with the F at the end, is used zero times. Why is it that the word belief is used zero times? It's because of now. It doesn't have any real action to it. Now the word belief is used 98 times. Why is it believe? Because it's not saying I just, I hold to the belief, I've done it before once and that's just all it is. Or I believe, uh, I have a belief in God and you just kind of like distance yourself away from it. No, to believe is to say a continuing action. I'm not stopping in this. I'm continually believing. I have believed that he had died on the cross. I have believed that. I'm continuing. So that's a unique distinction in this. I know it's kind of like deep and some of these things are, but I'm just saying these are themes. Amen? Amen? So I want you guys to remember these things. These are cool. You're going to hear the word life a lot. You're going to hear the word light. You're going to hear world. And you're going to hear believe. Such an awesome book. I'm telling you, I'm so, so honored, like I said, to say this to you guys, to share with you guys, at the same time, you guys to learn this from me, to even look at it, and to study it, to preach it to you guys, amen? Amen. Alright, so, starting off, Logos. I know, you're like, like, like ah, so bright. So, Logos, what is Logos, okay? And before we even start reading the scripture, I just wanted to get this across, you guys. In the beginning was the Word. That's what the first verse says. In the beginning was the Word. And so before you get confused and you say, well, word, that makes no sense. How is the full word in the beginning of the word? That makes no sense. No. Well, 
the, the writer, John, is making a really cool you know, distinction here. He wants to say that Jesus isn't just the baby manger. He ain't yo, you know, like my homeboy and your shirt, you know, and like the one on the cross or anything. Like that. He was, before that, he was, he existed. And so the word used there in actual the Greek, you know, the New Testament is written in Greek, was logos. And so logos means the personal word of God through whom he spoke all things into existence. You know how, like, in the beginning of the Bible, it talks about, you know, God said, let there be life, you know, and the word. Well, this is the personal word. God used Jesus to make all things. Isn't that interesting? So it's like, if you want to talk about, like, if you don't believe that God and that Jesus is God, well, you just got a rude awakening right now. That's just like, whoa, you know, Jesus created everything. Yes, he created, he created, I don't know, let's just look around for a little second. He created disco lights. He created glasses. He created uh, ties. He created iPhones and all that stuff. You know, he gave the ingenuity for that. You know, that's just amazing, isn't it? Jesus did that. So he ain't just the, I told you, he ain't just the baby who just came out of nowhere and he died on the cross. He, he, he's been around, man, I'm telling you. He's, he's always existed, amen? So what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the scripture now. I, I hope you guys have your Bibles now. You see, it's going to be really awkward a lot. But if you do, go to John 1, verse 1. And it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So, you're hearing this word, it's just it's awesome. Through whom, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was light, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was, not, was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to, to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Just think about that real quick. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Think about if you were to have a child that's your own. Literally, that's half of you there in that person. And that person says, I want nothing to do with you. Now that is some serious stuff. Think about maybe parents. Obviously, that's a little bit more accurate to you guys. You don't have hope you guys don't have children and all that stuff. We're going to talk after an elevator, but seriously, think about parents. Parents saying to you, you're not mine, I disown you. Or, I don't have a daughter, I don't have a son. That's some serious stuff right there. The seriousness of that, too. to belong to something or to have even made something and for it to reject you. <laughs> Yet to all who received them, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born out of natural descent, not, not of natural descent, nor of human de uh, decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying that, he, that it was He of whom I have said, he who comes after me who has surpassed me because he is before me. From the fullness of his grace we have, are, we have all received one blessing after another. No one has ever seen God.
God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. I know there's a whole bunch of scripture right now for you guys, and you're like, okay, that was, that was good and whatnot. But I'm talking about if you have never seen something, if you never even read that in the Bible, I bet you, man, that just was like, whoa, that's so cool. I've been looking for a while to actually see that the Bible says that Jesus, you know, Jesus is God. Well, there it is if you look at that stuff. So, the Word. And now we're going to get a little more you know, into this, man. I'm telling you, this is important. The Word is God. It says that specifically. The Word, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Isn't that amazing? Or is, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The Word is God. So, obviously that shows that that Word is divine. It's God. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it says that there's a separation because it was with God. So how is it possible that this Word is God at the same time but with God? So if you actually are looking to the Greek, it has a specific word that it uses. It kind of says face to face. So if you've never even heard before about the Trinity, you've never heard about you know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is the first place to actually start to really get to it. God was there. Jesus, the Word was separate, but He was God. But at the same time, He was face to face with a different person. And we look later on into the Scripture, and it says, "No one's ever seen God." The one and the, the Father. So that's who it is talking about. The Word and the Father. Deep, huh? And so you guys are all looking at me like, whoa. Oh, yeah. Victor over there, he's like, I'm never going to be the same after this. <laughs> <laughs> and the sad thing is that we learn again in this whole entire passage I just shared with you that the world has rejected the Word. Think about that, man. The world, the thing that was created by this Word, by this awesome thing, this awesome being. Rejects, rejects the word. So the light has come into the world so that you know men can, can see it, but the darkness has not understood it. What does that mean? What does it mean to have light, a recurring theme over and over again throughout the whole entire book? And yet, the light, the light came into the world, but darkness has not understood it. What is the darkness talking about? The world. Talking about the rebellion of the world, rebellion of what's going on creation, how it's gone away from God. To those who receive Him, He gives the right to become children of God. So, you see, we're now we're getting real quick into this, man. We're not going to go into, like, well, next week or the next week after that, we're going to finally get to the point of, oh, we need to give our life to Jesus type of thing. No, it's right here, it's right now. Can you believe that? It didn't, he did, John didn't even give a chance for you to, to relax in this book. It's either, you know, you, re you reject Him, you're in the world, you're in the darkness, you receive him. And then you get the right to be called a child of God. See, not everybody's called a child of God. Yeah, you're created by God. God knows every single thing about you. That doesn't mean you're his child. You gotta receive him. You gotta receive him. He wants to actually do that. In, in biblical terms, he wants to like quote unquote adopt you into his kingdom. At the moment we're wayward, we're away from him. Now John the Baptist testifies about the word. And he says specifically these two words, that he's going to bring grace and truth. Why grace and truth? Out of all the things that he could say about this Jesus, well, first of all, yeah, he says grace and truth, and he says another word later, which we're going to look at, grace and truth. So imagine this word. The word comes into the world, and it says the, the word manifest, which is the next point. The word became flesh as Jesus, who was the Christ. And you see, he, he's saying there's the truth. That he's going to bring grace and truth. Why is it that Jesus is going to bring grace and truth to the world? You know, you think to yourself, well, he came just to die on a cross, right? That's what it was. He, he just he came to die for our sins. Well, no. 
He came to tell you, first of all, that you're, you've sinned, that you've fallen short the glory that he, he's given you. He wants you to actually, you know, own up to your, your purpose in this life, but you can't. But he wants to do it with grace. It means that though he's going to tell you the truth, he's going to tell you, yeah, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you can't do anything for yourself. There's grace. There's grace that you cannot, you cannot do anything on your own. You just have to believe. Remember? Not a belief, but to believe continually. I know it's all deep stuff, man. I'm telling you, man. This is where it's at. Jesus' whole ministry was to bring grace and truth. To proclaim freedom at the same time to give freedom. That's the different thing right there. It's one thing to say, okay, you can be free and then just walk away, you know, like, now let me see how he's going to work at that. <laughs> Look at that. No, it's different. Wow. Now he can give you the freedom. He will give you the strength to do those things. That's what makes Jesus so unique. Imagine that. Jesus coming down, a word eternal, divine, beautiful, making everything that you see in this place, becoming flesh. Doesn't that now just boggle your mind, how something divine can become flesh, and for the same time, for it to be grace and truth, for him to preach grace and truth? That's just different. That's just awesome, man. What, what does that mean to us? We're going to get there right now. Now, this is even a, it goes deeper into it. And so now, later on to the chapter, John the Baptist starts talking about how he is not the Christ, but the Christ is the Lamb of God. Now, the Lamb of God, we're not talking about the satanic band that actually, if you look it up, you know, there is a band called Lamb of God and they're satanic. No? We're talking about the actual Lamb of God. So what does the Lamb of God mean? And it says right here, the sacrifice provided by God himself to pay the death penalty for all mankind. So, this word becomes flesh. And what is, what is the people who are testifying about him? The forerunner. The forerunner who, who comes before Jesus to talk about him, to prepare the way for him. What does that forerunner say? That he is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Man, you want to get like, just understand real, real quick, put it in context again. The divine. Even you can use the word majesty, royal. You know, the Bible says he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here he comes as the Lamb of God, as a sacrifice, death penalty. Context for you today would be this. There's a person who's about to get the, the lethal injection in order the gas chamber. He's sitting down, you know, he's, he's done bad things in his life. And then all of a sudden, the person with the most prestigious, the person who's most innocent, comes and says, I'm going to pay that price for him. He doesn't need to do it. I will be in his place. I'll substitute. You guys watch the home games. I'm the substitute for tribute and all stuff. You know what I mean? Now he, that person doesn't have to die. I will die in his place. I am the Lamb of God. Think about that. And so just to move on real quick, and we're just going to get, get to the, the nitty-gritty stuff right here. And in verse 35, it says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teachers, which means teacher, where are you staying? Isn't that interesting? Already they start following him. They say, so where are you staying, Lamb of God? I want to follow you. I want to go after you. And so the first person who actually starts following him, according to John at least, is Andrew, which is the brother of Peter. It's pretty cool. And so we're going to highlight the, some of the disciples. 
And so I want you guys to get this in your, in your head real quick. So now Jesus is actually, he's coming, he came into the earth, he's in flesh now, this is 30 years after his birth, and you know, the little baby, lethal major, and stuff and all that. He's different now, he's a person walking on the earth, and you know, there's that prophet, the prophet who's just crazy looking, John the Baptist, and he, he, he says, the Lamb of God, there he is, and then everybody's like, what? And so they see him and they start following him. We have Andrew, Peter, and then later on, Philip and Nathaniel. Obviously, then John, James, you know, different people, eventually Judas. And so these people are following him, but what in, in beckoned them? What beckoned them to actually start following Jesus? Why, why was it that they actually wanted to go to this guy? He was just simply just a guy, you know, dressed up like that guy right there to the left. But why? For some reason, it was this, that they were enticed by him being the Lamb of God. By him being the sacrifice. And so immediately, when they heard that he was the sacrifice, they said, well, well Andrew said to Peter, was like, hey, look, I found the Messiah. I found the Christ. I found the Savior. I found the one who's, who's come to actually bring liberation to us. So they were willing to follow him. They are like, that's it. We found it. We got it. We have found the Messiah. And obviously, later on, he calls the rest of them. He calls the rest of the other people. And so... To think about it now would be Jesus is here, Jesus is walking in your life, and Jesus is walking in you. Obviously, he's he's just he's in the throne at the moment, but like here he comes and he sees you, and you hear it, you hear the message. You hear that he's good, you hear that, oh, he's died for your sins. He's done all these things for you. What do you do then? Do you follow him? What do you do at that moment? And so, the first chapter of our sermon series already brings it to this. We had this hardcore, you know, deep teaching about how Jesus is God, but yet, what the whole entire point of it was that here comes Jesus as the Lamb of God to call His disciples. So, almost like this message is actually about discipleship. Isn't that crazy? Just think about it, the first chapter. And so, here we are. I want to highlight this verse for you guys. I know that this is so important, and I want you guys to really get this. I really want you guys to, to bed it into this word. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Think about that. Awesome, beautiful word of God, the Logos. Here he comes. And then yet, his own did not receive him. I want to ask you guys today, are you one of those people who are not receiving your actual king? Are you not receiving your creator today? Are you not receiving Jesus into your life? Are you not actually following him according to what he wants you to do? That is the most important thing that I want you guys to get. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, see, not the belief, oh, I had done that before, but I continue to believe in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. Think about that. You see, you can have the choice to receive him in such a unique way. Who is he to you? Is he just your, your sugar daddy when you get sad a few times? Is he that to you? Is he, I just, I just pray to him because I need something right now? Or is he the Lamb of God that was in your place? Do you see him as that poor little lamb right there who was, who was tied up, ready to get slaughtered? 
What is truth to you? What is it that, that you need to get from Jesus? What did Jesus do for this whole entire congregation right here? Did he just come walking? He's like, hey, how you guys doing? Did he do that? No, he did not do that. That's not what he did. He knew that he was going to do this. The divine knew that he was going to come into the world. Yes, to be forsaken by the world. To not be understood by the world. So when you see people in your school and your friends and you talk to them about God, he knew that, that they were going to reject him. He knew that. And he knew at times when you would reject him. He knew at times when you would not even want to be with him. He knew at times when you wouldn't care about him. Why? Why is he like that? Why? I, he is so awesome, so powerful. You know, we just talked about it, so beautiful. Why is it that he's so gracious and merciful? Because, as we're going to find out, he loves you. He loves you. He's willing to die for you. So what does that mean? Are you going to be an Andrew? Are you going to be a Peter? Are you going to be a Philip? Are you going to be a Nathaniel? Are you going to be a John? Are you going to be one of those people that comes up to him? And says, I will follow you. I have found the Messiah. I have found the Savior of my life. I found what is good to me. I found the person who's actually going to make those problems go away. Who's not going to be like the world who forsakes me. He's not going to be like that, that boyfriend who says to me, oh, you know what, you're not good enough. He's not going to be like that girlfriend who says, well, you're not that awesome. You don't have all the plans in your life. Or, you know, you're a little weird at times. You know, sometimes people might say that. They're honest. He's not like that. He sees who you are and he comes to you in your place. He sees who you are and he comes to you in your time of need. What does it mean to you to see that Jesus was on the cross? What does it mean to you to see that he was willing to be tied up? What does it mean? Does it make you want to actually follow him? Does it make you want to go and give it all? Or do you just want to make up your own truth? Make up whatever, make, whatever pleases your mind? And so... Having known and seen him, as it says right here, still deny him. The world did not recognize him, quote unquote. How could it not recognize him? How could, you know, how could a, a wife not recognize her husband? How can the body not recognize its head? How can creation not recognize its creator? You have, you have a brain today, church. You have a brain today. You have call to answer. You have a call to answer right now. Okay? And I want you guys to really understand. Really understand this. This ain't no playing games. This ain't no, no thing about, about God. You want to go ahead and you want to be self-pitying or you want to make your own way for it and you think that it's cool whatever way you want to do it. Good for you. That's fine. Go ahead and be in denial or lie to yourself. But this is the truth. This is the truth right here. I want you guys to receive the truth here. There is nobody that can do this for you. There is nobody that can do what Jesus did for you. Okay? Nobody. And you want to talk about somebody who comes at, you know, some, some random loser guy. I can talk about the girls who date with guys and all stuff. Or, or guys who date the loser girls and all that. You want to talk about some loser guy coming into your life and then criticizing you and talking to you and saying to you whatever it may be, even fathers, even mothers, even parents, you know, aunts, whatever. You want to come into your life and say, well, I'm going to dictate who you are. No, man, what you need to receive is this. You need to receive that Jesus is the Word and He made you. And not only that, but He loves you enough to come into the earth to die on the cross for you, to give you grace and truth. 
to speak to you and say to you, I love you. Yeah, you've messed up. You've broken my heart. But I'm going to give you the gift of God. I'm going to give you the name. I'm going to give you the ability to be called a child of God. Who wants to be called a child of God in this place? Does anybody here want to be called a child of atheism? Look at me. I'm made out of nothing. I'm not a child of the Big Bang. I'm a child of stardust. Are you serious? Come on. Are you serious? Come on, man. This is what we're talking about. Do you believe in God today? Amen. If you believe in God, I want to see you guys actually go after him. Come on, this is it. He came on the earth, and what did he say? When he sent the people, he said, come, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. It's time to be a disciple in this place. Amen. It's time to go after God. It's time to say, I'm going to go, and I'm going to follow his ways. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to receive the truth he has for my life. I'm going to receive his grace. Because you don't see it, because, because oh, you, you walk out of this place and you, you see all the people talking their own way, living their own life. You go to church, you go to prosper, and that, that's the truth in your life. Oh, there is no God. No, get this. What's going on there is life in the pit of hell. This is what's going on. When you go to that school, people are being owned by the devil. It ain't no joke. People are being owned by the devil. People are in bondage, slaves to sin, slaves to it. You want to talk about something that's messed up, slaves to sin. Yesterday, one of my old friends called me. Well, he, he faced with me at first, and he just, he called me, and he was, I, could, I just wanted to cry almost, because the desperation is where I know I need God. I know I need God. You can tell he wanted to cry in his conversation. He said, I've been drinking, and dude, I just, I need God. I know, and he started saying things that you would never imagine somebody to say unless they were so broken, and they knew that they were tired of the sin in their life. They're saying, like, I've been wanting to actually message you to go to your church for a while now, even when I'm not drunk and all stuff, and, and I've just been ashamed. But I've been thinking, and actually, actually, I think about God. I think about God all the time. I think about God, you know, just when, whenever, like, I'm quiet. Think about that. You have opportunity. You're not that person, obviously, but you're in a seat today. You're in a seat today who's listening to this message. Are you going to do something about this? Or is it like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for the, amount, uh, the amazing love that you have, and then you're going to walk away self-pitying, but I'm not worthy of it. Of course, no one is worthy of it here. I'm not worthy of it. You want to talk about yourself is not worthy? I'm not worthy of it, okay? I'm worthy of the death penalty myself. I'm worthy of the chemical injection. I'm worthy of all that. I'm worthy of the humiliation. I'm worthy of all, the, all that stuff. But what are you going to do? Are you going to receive him? He wants you guys so much. Why, why we even use the term, why we even went to uh, John's gospel. When we go into chapter 3, what are you going to hear? For God loved the world so much. Whoa, Ellie, I can't believe you just blow my mind with that scripture verse in context now. That's what it is. God loves you so much. Give his only son for you. I know you guys, some of you guys here are saved already. You're like, I got this, but this is it, man. What did he do in the first chapter of this gospel? He called disciples. He said, I want you to be committed to me. I want you to follow me. Learn from me. When I'm gone, I want you to carry these things on for me. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're too shy or too, too outgoing. You know, you say things out, out loud that you shouldn't sometimes. You have an attitude here, an attitude there. It doesn't matter. You can be used by God. 
You can be used by God. Think about that. Come on. When was the last time you heard that in your school? Hey, hey, you know what, uh, Leslie, you can be used by God today. You can do great things for Him. You can be in a place where you can preach to people and they, in their sins, be broken. Mm. Think about that. Come on. That's awesome. That is awesome. Amen. Everybody can stand up, please. 